0: Hello and welcome to Astrology and Stuff, where we try to talk about serious subjects without taking ourselves too seriously. I'm your host and sacred clown, Sampriti. Thank you for being here. If you'd like to know more about whatever I'm talking about uh, during the episode, specifically Uh, Specific to your own astrology, specific to your own experience, i.e. your natal chart, please think about uh, booking an appointment with me, Um, especially if you've never stepped into astrology, or if like me, like I've had this experience, the more you get into astrology, the more you're reminded how much there is to learn. <laughs> if that feels good to you, then go check out my website, astrogeomantica.net. Um, there you can book natal chart readings. You can book um, sinistry readings. Sinistry readings are uh, readings of um, partnered people. Um, I've done Uh, readings with uh, people who are married or romantically together, uh, domestically partnered. I've done readings of business partners. I love those. Um, And I love specifically doing readings of children for their parents. Um, Doing that, understanding your child through the lens of astrology has been so helpful and clarifying, not overwhelming with information like I initially thought it would be. And as a parent myself, I love offering that. Um, Anything that is clarifying, anything that is burden easing, I love offering that to fellow parents. And if you'd like to help support the podcast and maybe get some weekly astrological transit insights, uh, feel free to go to my Patreon page, simply go to www.patreon.com and in the search bar pop in astrology and stuff podcast, and you'll find me. I have two tiers there. Um, One offer is just simply a a beautiful way to financially support the show so that I can keep doing this. And the other is where you get your weekly dose of transit talk, where I take you through the transits of the week and how they might be affecting you and your neck of the woods. Okay. Uh, Last little note before we dive into Pisces, uh, an audio disclaimer, I am recording this in a different part of my house where uh, the cats have free reign, so you will be hearing, I guarantee it, from, <laughs> from the other beings that uh, occupy this space with me. So thank you for your sense of humor, as always, and maybe a little bit of patience. All right, let's get to it. So uh, if this is your first foray into listening to this podcast, uh, welcome, absolutely welcome. Welcome. And I would advise probably starting at the beginning, um, if not the very beginning, then at least the beginning of this journey that we've been taking over the past um, eight, seven or eight episodes, excuse me, which is this journey through the signs themselves. And hopefully uh, my intention is to deepen and expand your understanding and therefore your experience, your vocabulary of astrology in general and um, and more specifically your own astrology how does it help how does this information help you um, and so of course we started uh, a few episodes back with the fir- very first signs Aries and Taurus uh, because this episode is the episode where we cover the last sign, Pisces. Um, And we're also going to kind of wrap up uh, our experience of the the zodiacal archetype wheel itself. So there you go. Okay. Digging in. Pisces, 12th sign. Uh, As the 12th sign, it is, yes, indeed, the ultimate sign, the last sign of the twelve sign system uh, in the zodiacal wheel, within that framework, it is Pisces is a mutable water sign, so the quality is mutable, much like other you know mutable signs of Gemini and Virgo and Sagittarius. Uh, Pisces finishes out the season of winter uh, up here in the the northern hemisphere. before, uh, giving way to Aries spring. Right. Uh, and as a water sign, this, this type of water, I've described it this way before in the podcast, whereas cancer, cardinal water is, is like a, is like a well, uh, Scorpio is like, amniotic fluid, but I've also described it as like Mariana Trench level, deep and dark and hidden. Um, Pisces is missed. Pisces is not held by any type of boundary except itself. Okay. Um, and Pisces, a, a, a podcast episode of Pisces is in and of itself very difficult. And it's not going to, it doesn't like to be linear. It doesn't like, Pisces is not here to be understood mentally. Pisces is not here to, um, to fit into anybody's particular, uh, idea of logic and form. However, we can still do our best. Okay. And I personally have my planet Mercury, which is the planet of my uh, receiving information, processing information, and ultimately communicating information is in the sign of Pisces. And so I, as you, if this is not your first uh, foray into astrology and stuff, um, you know that I can ramble and you know that I can paint quite an impressionistic picture uh, verbally, and so, just anticipate that that's going to be on some level of steroids <laughs> today, uh, because as it's often described, Pisces prefers to be uh, prefers to be painted in watercolor. Um, there is plenty of impressionism. There is plenty of ab- even abstract expressionism um, to Pisces. And so let's let's gel this up a little bit. The planetary ruler, uh, the modern. planetary ruler of, uh, Pisces is the planet Neptune. The traditional planetary ruler is Jupiter. And we'll dig into that too, towards, you know, towards the end of this description. So Pisces rules the 12th house as the 12th sign of the Zodiac Pisces rules the 12th house. Let's talk about the house placement a little bit. Um, and you know, total transparency as is the personality of Pisces and Neptune and 12th house, very specifically 12th house. um, I personally have gotten, have received the most understanding and experience of the 12th house here in the past year. Um, Most specifically this most recent Mars retrograde period in Gemini, because Um, Gemini rules my 12th house and that, you know, that seven month hell, (laughs) it felt like to my human of Mars being in Gemini and Mars being retrograde in Gemini, all of that happened in my 12th house and only recently, has, um, has Mars moved into my first house where things can be grounded, uh, has to be grounded a little bit more, has to be embodied. There's a focus on embodiment and actualization and identification in the first house that simply is antithetical to any 12th house placements. Also, I don't have any, uh, planetary bodies in my 12th house. I do have my part of fortune in my 12th house. But that's a point, right? It's not a a a, a an embodied being, okay? So if you do have uh, 12th house placements, a lot of 12th house placements, um you're going to just have more experience with the particular themes that the 12th house brings. Okay? And uh I have two kids, they both have God bless them. They both have Saturns in their 12th house. And I get to receive a lot of my, you know, I, I get to observe a lot of, you know, the day-to-day life of having specifically the heaviest goddamn planet um, in, our, in our solar system, uh, astrologically speaking, um, in this place of existentialism. Okay. If I'm going to apply an ism to the 12th house, it's going to be existentialism. Um, because it's in this 12th house, this, this ultimate house where we hold much, much like we did in eighth house in Scorpio and Pluto, we hold both, uh, whereas in, in Scorpio, it's both death and life, mortality, immortality, sex and death, uh, birth, death, rebirth, that, in the next water sign, and the next water sign's Pisces, um, that uh, that whole shtick, <laughs> for lack of a better term, that whole shtick gets the the frequency dialed up and the density dialed down. Whereas, um, so what I'm trying to say is in Scorpio, the theme's, we're very involved in our human. Okay. And in Pisces, they become transcendence. They're very involved in the transcendence, the, the, those human themes that we fleshed out in the amniotic fluids of Scorpio, um, and then went out in, in Sagittarius and, uh, Capricorn and Aquarius and went out, took them out into the world, uh, in a very zoomed out way. We, we come back to those basic themes. What is life? What is death? What is being? What is nothing? Uh, what is birth? Uh, et cetera. What is the, the end of the cycle? Um, and that the density gets ratcheted down and the, uh, frequency gets ratcheted up. So think about, you know, the contained fluid in Scorpio, and then think about uncontained fluid in uh, uh, in um, uh, the uncontained mist in Pisces, right? There's, there's less density there. There's much less density. There's much more space. There's much more free form and free movement, okay? And then the frequency being ratcheted up, um, simply saying it's we move it from the the mortal and the physical and the human, um, still questioning, but like touching in on the divinity in Scorpio and we ratchet that frequency up and it becomes spirit in Pisces. It becomes like this whole conversation of birth, death, rebirth, um, becomes a, it moves from in, um, Hmm. You can tell I'm trying to find my own words with us. I warned you. Um, it moves from a very deep one to a very cl- like cloud-like one. Okay, it, it moves from a very earth-based like le- life and death. The the question of mortality. It's still embodied, and it, and it almost increases because um, you know Scorpio has that uh, axis point, that polarity partnership with Taurus, which is the ultimate in in embody. It's where we first come to, um, we, we first come to come into relationship with our body, with our immediate environment and with then kind of it bubbles out a little bit. So Scorpio still has that, that grip on the body. Okay. In a way that Pisces just doesn't, it's a, it's a, a transcending, from the body into spirit. <clears throat> okay, so a word on transcendence. Um, I've spoken about this before. That most of the so the the paradigm that we're moving out of idealized transcendence from the body. Okay, it made uh, through systems and structures like Buddhism. And Christianity, and um, I'm just talking about like the the wide swath. Obviously, there are cults and and uh, different iterations of Buddhism and Christianity and Islam, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But for we can all agree that <clears throat> I'm sure we can all agree that for the vast majority, for the last bit the body was seen as something to escape within these like, sp- within these spiritual, um, and religious, uh, formalities and, and methodologies. The, it was preferred to the spirit was preferred to the body. Um, and then we bring that out of like religion and, and hyper spiritual space. We bring it just down into basic philosophy, Western East and European and Greek, you know, born in the Greeks and et cetera, et cetera. Those types of philosophies that we have created governments out of, we created our social structures out of, again, speaking as a white Westerner, okay, Um, speaking from I, we have formulated communities and societal structures that prefer the mind over the body, okay? And the philosophy, so much of the philosophies and the methodologies are rooted in this, uh, uh, in this practice of transcendence. Okay. To the point that, you know, we, uh, about 150 to a hundred years ago, we literally had transcendentalism. Okay. And, um, I don't, I'm not sure if, uh, not Gertha. Okay. I'm just going to put that put that, uh, aside away. Uh, it's not important. And I can't remember the the author's name, the very famous author's name. So anyway, um, we have the, the concept and the practice of transcendence and transcendentalism, whether it's rooted in Buddhism or rooted in, in Christianity or rooted in Greek, uh, philosophy is one of this or that. You know, we started in this and we've got to work to move to that thing over there. Okay. It's another version of good and evil, but you know, bad and good, right and wrong. What am I describing? I'm describing binary, you know, dualism. And what Pisces does is structurally, it is the space in the 12th house. Because again, I'm going to get back to the 12th house. This is the space where dualism and binary does not exist. Okay, um, so Jeffrey Wolfe Green he brought evolutionary astrology to you know the U.S. and and Western community, and he was greatly greatly influenced by Jungian psychology and philosophy, and he. Obviously, he talks a lot about archetypes as such, and he also talks about the last three um, signs and places of the twelve house zodiac as um, as a spe- very specific method of evolution. And the first one, it's going to it's going to involve you know the tenth, eleventh, and the twelfth signs. So we're talking Capricorn. Uh, ruled by Saturn, rules the 10th house. We're talking Aquarius, ruled by Uranus, rules the 11th house. And then ultimately we're talking Pisces, ruled by Neptune, ruling the 12th house. In the 10th house, we have um, codependency and consensus thinking, okay? Consensus meaning, like the consensus is born in, in Capricorn. Consensus is... I think this way because enough people around me are thinking this way. This is the shared belief. This is the gelled. I talked a lot about like accretion um, in in the Capricorn episode last last time, and you know this is and it's not bad or good. It feels bad because we are in a place right now where we are. This is an outmoded way of being, and we are evolving very quickly. And it feels like I'm very actively into the next way. Okay. But again, this is neutral. I'm just describing neutral ways that, that natural law, uh, formulates itself <clears throat> and ultimately dissolves itself in order to formulate something new. Okay. So this, we have this consensus thinking, okay. This consensus way of being, um, and it's tradition and, you know, this is, This is very, very important. And because, I mean, think about it, guys. Capitalism has only been around, like the capitalism that we know and that we depend on every single day, um, it's only been around for, you know, uh, maybe 200 years-ish, you know? It feels so gelled and so locked in that it feels like it's been here forever, It feels like it's been here the way that it's done now for fucking ever. Honestly, you know, Reaganomics feels like it's been here forever, but that was only brought through in the (laughs) eighties. But, but this is, this is an example of consensus thinking because of globalization. Um, I use that in a neutral way, not in a political way because of globalization. Um, more, let's think about it physically, like just more and more and more and more and more people are aware of this certain way of being and it's being adopted. We could also argue that this, this happened way back in the day when Alexander went and just spread his gospel of, of being, um, from shit, you know, Alexandria all the way over to India. Okay. And, and because the the, the more cuz he knew i'm totally projecting but he knew that when you are able to change the belief system or excuse me influence the belief system of people enough to believe in certain foundational you know similar themes you're gonna, you're gonna change generations. Okay. You're going to influence generations of people. Um, and that, and so that's, that's what we're seeing here. And that's why it feels like we're so just locked in to this very specific reality because we are, because through the influence of, you know, Capricorn in the 10th house and Saturn, things get locked in very easily. Things it's quick forming cement. It's quick hardening cement. So this is where, you know, relational codependency. I'm not I'm not doing things, we'll bring it into the the context of relationship. I'm not doing things from a place of desire. I'm no longer doing things from a place of personal desire and personal agency. I'm doing them because I I desire a specific um reaction or response from my partner. And that's why I'm doing things because I believe that my behavior influences them to a much higher level. Okay? To such a high level that I can then kind of c- control them in a way through my behavior and vice versa. Okay? So we have like this this microcosm of consensus belief. Well, you know, we, we both believe the same things, right? And consciously and unconsciously. And that's the primary influence of the relationship. Okay. So next step from codependence to independence, that is Aquarius ruled by Uranus ruling the 11th house. Okay. So that's when we get the Kool-Aid man busting through and there, there's suddenly a consensus belief reaches such, such a fever pitch that it, it just has to destroy itself. Okay. In some way. And so in, we get these, these desires for independence and we become, and we see it in our own personal behavior, right. Uh, as well as interpersonal where, um, some people call it self-sabotage. I call it I, or I am playing around with, with discovering it as a way to experience freedom from consensus. Um, you know, we hold, when we hold ourselves to a structure or a process or we, we crawl into a box that for a while helps us do something, right? It helps us experience something. It helps us create something. And we stick around there too long or we give it too much control, we give the box too much control, okay? And we forget that we can exit out of the box. What is our highest self going to enable us to do? It's going to blow up the fucking box so that we can be free and so that we can remember our self-agency. Obviously, that that's from the perspective of the highest self. When we describe that same process within the human experience. We involve emotion. We involve pain. We involve suffering. We involve uh, potentials for loss and grief. Uh, you know, blowing up the relationship, blowing up the uh, the new job deal because it turns out we didn't have capacity for it in the first place, and it was our mind making those decisions. We thought that we should want this job, and so we went out and we got it, and then we fucking just blew it up because it turns out we were doing that out of a sense of obligation, out of a sense of codependency in some way. Okay. Consensus belief. And what did we learn last week in, you know, Capricorn and Aquarius, the primary desire of the soul is one of evolution is one of transformation. And it's one of transmutation. So this force of evolution comes through and it, blows up consensus thinking. Uh, and it's all about independence. I, I want to break free, you know, (laughs) that's it. That is absolutely it. And Uranus is that lightning strike. Um, you know, the 11th house is community. It is, uh, instead of being in a codependent relationship, we desire to formulate an independent community. And so it's very interesting. I think what we're all figuring, you know, doing the work of figuring out right now is specifically in this point in time is what is independence? How how are we conflating independence with isolation? Okay. And we're doing that very, very, uh, we're doing that a lot when it comes to being uh, allowing for independent ways of thought and expression and communication like how can you be um how can you be partnered with somebody whether it's in friendship or a a uh, a life partner or a business partner or a parent and child how can you be partnered with this some with this somebody and and allow that person and, you know, and just, uh, give that person, let that person be as independent as possible. That may mean having different political views, different ideological ideologies, different, um, you know, social views, uh, what have you different values altogether. How, what is their right to independence? What is your right to independence? And we're, I think we're really at this, it feels like a fever pitch, of coming to a neutrality within this independence. Like we, we, we have to do the thing initially as, you know, binary humans. We have to do the thing of declaring independence and just immediately creating a new consensus, but naming it independence. Okay. It is, this is the way that, you know, so let's talk, let's, let's, uh, keep the expectation low and cool. And let's talk feminism. <laughs> um, there's uh, no trigger trigger there. Right. So let's talk feminism, feminism, uh, born out of a, an experience that patriarchal way of life is not, it's not, no, it's not good. It's not right. It's not good. It's not good for anybody. And including the people that on paper it, it benefits the most, it's just not good for anybody and it's not fair and it goes against natural law, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So we formulate, we, we, we declare ourselves independent from patriarchy as feminists. What do we do? We go for, form a new uh, feministic quote unquote, society with the exact same rules that patriarchy had. So basically we're formulating just a new, uh, a new patriarchy with a different name. Okay. Same value systems, same structures, same ways of doing things, same toxicity, maybe some same success, similar successes, but also say similar toxicities. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. I think back to stories that you hear about in the sixties of, um, you know, the, the hippie culture and the commune cultures, uh, where, uh, all of these, these men and women would break free from, you know, capitalistic normie, the man, uh, society and form their own communes. Well, what happened very, very quickly? Uh, Suddenly you had, almost suddenly overnight, what did you have? You had a few, one or a few men making all of the decisions and there were no female voices. Um, women were not listened to. They were once again relegated to um, levels of 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 uh, servitude and having the kids and taking care of the kids and you can't make any big decisions here there no like no leadership etc um so that's just what happens in the initial phases of independence right i mean f- fuck look at france look at and they're having a big uh, a big return moment because um, it's there. like we had our Pluto return, the U.S. had their, you know, our Pluto return uh, last year. Uh, France is having their Pluto return as far as like their, it, um, don't quote me exactly on that, but they're having a lot of the same, um, you know, chickens coming home to roost kind of situations. And you see it, like this declaration of independence from a particular Way of government and being governed, right the conversation is happening again at a fever pitch, okay and Paris is burning um, so this it's what did they do back then though they just yes they they <laughs> they got rid of the aristocracy, but there was a you know then there was a vacuum and they you can't help but create the new, you know, the old, the new thing in the form of the old thing for the first couple layers of independence. It takes time. And so, um, that's what, that's what that kind of, uh, Aquarius ruled by Uranus, you know, in the 11th house is specific to the 11th house. That's what that is for is how do we put the, Needs and the, the the love of humanity and the community at large. How do we continue to create a a level of independence that serves that highest good in a in a higher higher and higher way? You have to go through multiple revolutions. You have to go through multiple iterations of whatever the new is because you've got to flush that you're just continuing to flush the old ideology out, okay? Um, And then we come to, we move from independence to, through that work that I just described, interdependence. We find that the more we come together and the more that we value the community, the more that we value our connection the more we pay attention to that, the more energy we give to that interconnectedness, it can't help but lead to interdependence. And we're all figuring out what the fuck that means, okay? On a literal level and on a uh, an experiential level, okay? Um, like literally, I did not hear the word in, interdependence. I did not know what it meant. It wasn't a part of my vocabulary, a large usable part of my vocabulary until I really started studying evolutionary astrology. And, <clears throat> and it changed my, the, it was the beginning of me changing how I relate, of evolving how I relate and becoming aware that, oh fuck, most of my relationships are codependent relationships. And I am far from the only person in the last, you know, 15 years that that's, who's had that experience, (laughs) raise your hand out there. Right. Um, and so interdependence is this experience of everybody being fully individuated, fully themselves, fully individuals so that they can take their place in the ecosystem so that the ecosystem can Uh, run efficiently and run as it should because, okay, and that's a, I'm using should very, very uh, specifically and lightly. This whole, it doesn't mean that consensus is bad and that interdependence is good, that consensus Capricorn, 10th house Saturn should never happen. It's a part of natural law it's the gelling and the dissolving, the, gel- the developing, the gelling, and the dissolving, the developing, the gelling, and the dissolving. It's simply another cycle. And we just happen to have the perspective of the part of the cycle in which we are moving from the gelling into the dissolving. Okay, But it's so interesting that the dissolving, i.e. the Pisces, it actually things gel out of the dissolving. It's like this experience of we find perhaps more a the most authentic form of self as we allow certain parts of our other self to dissolve okay and and again, people get very um very caught up and very. Uh, attached which is hilarious uh attached to this particular part of the zodiac and Pisces in general and 12th house and and transcendence because it's like um it's an ego death you can't have a sense of self in in Pisces it's impossible and it's like well what have we been what have I been saying this this whole podcast that there are different there's a spectrum of every sign There's a spectrum of density. There's a spectrum of frequency. There's a spectrum of, uh, and by that I mean we experience every sign spiritually. We experience every sign energetically on the on the lower densities, higher frequencies. We also experience every single sign physically, and structurally. That you know we experience, um, you know the the physical of Pisces is the feet. The physical of Aries is the head. Okay. And so we're, there's going to be, we can be fully like for, I'll bring it into this moment. We're all practicing embodiment on an unprecedented level. uh, I believe and I know because I'm experiencing it. (laughs) And I am also experiencing a level of dissolving. That, that is also unprecedented because we're complex bodies, we're complex beings. We're able to do everything at once, seemingly. So astrologically, um, I, let me bring what I just said about myself into astrological terms for, to, so that we can, we can practice this, um, applying astrological terms to experiential uh, to personal experiences. So I, I've, I've never, uh, I'm, I'm, uh, practicing embodiment at an unprecedented rate right now. Astrologically, it's because North Node is in Taurus. Um, and that's moving through my 11th house and, um, South Node's moving through my 5th house in, in Scorpio. Um, I am, uh, we are in Taurus season right now. Uh, my Chiron in Taurus, uh, is in Taurus and it's squaring off, uh, Pluto in Aquarius. And, uh, for the last couple of years, it's been squaring off Saturn in Aquarius. And so there's just been this, this increased sense of this increased focus on very Torian experiences and that is you know healing the nervous system so I come into an understanding and uh, a, a different level of understanding of the nervous system specific to my behavior and my choices uh, about this time last year just and then I started the newsletter and I started just writing about it okay um, as writing about my experience and applying astrological, uh, vocabulary to it. So also in other areas of my chart, Neptune has been sitting on my moon and, or my midheaven, very, they're very close together, uh, for, it feels like a decade. (laughs) Um, and especially with this, this most recent Neptune retrograde, um, sat on my moon, backed over my moon, um, moving forward on my moon. So there is a massive amount of disillusion. There's a massive amount, I'll call it a mystification, M-I-S-T-ification. Things just absolutely poof. Like you ever stepped on one of those puffball uh mushrooms or seen it on on TV or on YouTube or something and you just bloop you can flick it and they just whew, and you see all like the 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 spores just float out on the wind or like in Charlotte's web when um Charlotte spoiler alert <laughs> uh Charlotte passes away and she's left behind her magnum opus her egg sac and Wilbur watches as the egg sac um opens and all the little babies they come out and they balloon themselves away, like like a hundred little baby uh spiders. And three stay behind, of course. And um, but they just bloop, they just float away. That is this dissolution, this uh dissolutive function of Neptune, Pisces, 12th house. Okay, so you see how all of these things are happening at the same time, okay. And, you know, what is sanity? What is time? Because all of these things are happening at the same time inside of one person, but also inside of you, inside of everybody you know. You've got all these different things happening. And so that's how we can have this experience of embodiment, like massive, massive embodiment and massive, massive transcendence and disillusion uh, uh, all in in one period of time. So the 12th house is this place where things go to dissolve okay and that's why the the 12th 6th house axis 12th 6th house axis pisces virgo and i think we talked about this pretty good in virgo um a lot of illness can be expressed through the 6th and the 12th house a lot of physical mental, uh, emotional illness. Because what, and this is me speaking from I. Me, I do not, it's not my intention to trigger anybody about chronic illness. Um, everybody has their own specific way of expressing through illnesses, specifically chronic illness. It is, em, nothing has taught me more about my victim meant victim mindset and victim mentality, then chronic illness. Okay. Um, and therefore chronic illness has taught me so much about my own power and, and the choice making and the self agency that happens within chronic illness. Um, and that, that really came to a peak as Mars went retrograde, um, through my 12th house and it just, it, it scared up all of this uh, new illness experience in my life and one that uh, initially completely sidelined me. it's like, oh you're not gonna you think you you think you have the what it takes you think you have the life force to carry this stress with you any longer? Nope. nope. So here you go. here's an illness that, Uh, or we can call it, yeah, it's an illness, but it's also a new, a new limitation that allows you to find the freedom that you really want, the freedom that you're really going for. Um, but you, you can't get out of your mind. Uh, you can't, your, your mind is still trapped on this, this hamster wheel. So here's a fucking physicality to help you stop in your tracks and just put it down and learn the new way of being okay because this is what you wanted all along. here's the new way of being and here's in a chronic here's an illness I won't say chronic anymore here's an illness that's going to help you learn the framework of this new way of being because God knows you're not going to listen any other way so here's a fucking illness. <laughs> So, so, a lot of us, a lot of us are dancing with different levels of illness, whether it is, um, more on the mental side or whether it's more on the emotional side or whether it's being expressed through the density of our bodies. Um, a lot of us in general are dancing with this, but specifically, I'm just telling my story. This, this happened Pretty much immediately uh as Mars and Gemini moved into my twelfth house. So a lot of people with um so like uh I'll also give my my kids uh, as an example, my son, he has multiple neurodiversion, um diversive neurodiverse uh diagnoses related to neurodiversity. Here we go, we'll we'll say that. Um and and his, he, I fully see the, and interpret his Saturn, um, Saturn and Capricorn, and his, no, 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 Pluto and Capricorn. I forget where, the, I forget where Saturn was when, when my kids were born. Um, but his Saturn in the 12th house um, is this experience of a certain level of undeniable limitation that affects his whole existence. And and it's like, how do how do we, and and I'm I'm dealing with this on a very, you know, day-to-day, very literal developmental way of where does my kid who has very, you know, obvious and certain quote unquote limitations in certain areas of his life, I'm watching him experience that and I'm watching him find freedom within that and write his own story based on the cues, you know, based on what he's getting internally, but also based on the cues that his, his people who are, are helping, you know, raise him up, uh, based on the cues that we're giving him, you know, what does it mean to be limited? What does it mean to be, um, to experience life? seemingly in a more limited way than your peers. Uh, and how do we, he doesn't experience limitation much. Um, he does sometimes feel sorry for himself because it feels good to all of us sometimes. And then that little Sagittarian beauty, he just kind of bounces and he was like, okay, yeah. So that's, that's really hard for me right now, but all this other stuff, it's really easy for me. So but, it, but it's always because it's, you know, Saturn in the 12th house, in his 12th house, it's always there. It's, it's never not there, but it's a, it's, it's a, a real breath to breath experience of how am I going to interpret this? My daughter's the same thing. Poor dear. Saturn in the 12th house, uh, conjunct her moon in the 12th house. So because her, her moon is there, it. Her manifestation of this, her experience and expression of this particular uh, shtick is much more emotional and much more mental, whereas Seamus's is, is is simply, it's like neurological and biophysical. Um, hers is, uh, it's the moon, right? It's her own internalization. Uh, she is her own, whereas Seamus has like diagnoses on paper, Zoe Oh yeah, they're, th- those are their names. Um, <laughs> um, she has, uh, she has. It, it's more of a the call is coming from inside the house, and that is definitely the way that I, her, her father and I, feel best with parenting her. Is you still have power in this moment, no matter what fears are taking up your your thought space and your body, you still have have power in this moment. But because you know she's young and she has these transits and and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, it takes repetitive teaching. It takes training. It takes repatterning to to learn for you know for her to learn that. And um, and so it's just been very interesting as somebody who doesn't really have anything in the 12th house to play out my understanding and experience understanding through observation of 12th house placements, specifically Saturn's. Okay. Not everybody has, uh, you know, other people who have different planetary placements in the 12th house are that sense of kind of existential looming, is going to be very different than it is to uh my kids who have Saturn there, okay? Um like somebody kind of looming over your shoulder. You could have a Venus in the 12th house. You could have a sun in the 12th house. A lot of people who uh have, you know, wide-reaching fame, specifically creatively, uh a lot of them have 12th house suns. And um because the 12th house is it's free of barriers, uh so it is, yes, it's the place of spirit. It is the place of uh it, and I'm talking more like psychedelic spirit than holy spirit in the church. Uh that's more, you know, that is more like ninth house. Twelfth house is uh much more oh, we just are bitches. We just all capital A R, right? <laughs> it's that kind of spirit it's existential spirit. It doesn't have a name, it doesn't have a form, it just is. Okay? It's the highest and and, you know, kind of going with that, it's the high the without somehow without a hierarchy, it's the highest form of natural law. It's just the ultimate form of natural law because it's natural law expressing itself to the nth degree before it then dissolves back into the quantum. Okay? Um, so other, you know, other 12th house experiences is, uh, yes, it's spirit, but it's also the, the entire collective. Like, whereas 11th house is community collective, um, 12th house is collective consciousness. So it's that, it's that kind of, it's not hive mind specifically, but it is definitely, um, the part of us that are all, all connected. And so we get that, uh, we have that collect we have certain things all in our collective consciousness. All right. And so fame, like widespread global fame, that can be a very, that's a very 12th house experience because it's something that has entered the collective consciousness, like, um, like Madonna or, um, you know, um, Beyonce, you know, it's just, they go beyond, um, they go beyond language. They go beyond, well, shit, Dolly Parton. There you go. Go listen to, (laughs) go listen to Dolly Parton's America. And there's an incredible part that I, it's the best podcast I've ever listened to, just to, yeah, period, full stop. Um, but there's this one incredible part, I won't spoil it for you, that talks about the globalization of Dolly, uh, not in a negative way, but in a, uh, a collective consciousness way where you hear a song and somebody in Lebanon is going to identify with that song in the same way that somebody from Tennessee is going to identify with that song internally in this place in their consciousness. Okay. Um, So Neptune, as this planetary ruler of Pisces, um, Neptune, where does Neptune lie in your chart? What sign is Neptune in? Mine is in Sagittarius in my sixth house. I have both Neptune and Uranus in Sag in my sixth house. And Neptune is much like, you know, 12th house placements can produce things like Illness and um, uh, an experience of initial limitation that is that helps you realize that limitation is just a fucking illusion. That kind of thing. Neptune can do the same thing. So I have you know Neptune in Sag in my sixth house. I have a I have a laundry list of you know history of chronic illness and medical difficulties, etc. cetera. Um, but I also have, it's in Sag, those illnesses affect my mindset in a developmental evolutionary way. My chronic illnesses in my twenties helped me through my Saturn return. Okay. Um, it's, yeah, it is, um, it's impossible for me to experience spirit, Neptune independent of of you know spiritual teachings sagittarius when i um you know i ra- i was raised in the church i was raised in a lot of church toxicity so up until very recently i haven't experienced uh capital s spirit much through the church the type of church that i was raised in but damn the first time i entered a yoga studio and sat and, and it was a Western, you know, US, uh, South, you know, in the middle of Charlotte yoga studio taught by, you know, white women. I became a white woman teaching yoga very soon, but damn, if that didn't awaken my Kundalini damn, if I didn't experience like capital S spirit in that yoga studio again and again and again and again, um, meditating when it was time for me, when it was right for me, when my nervous system was relaxed enough, bloop, drop right in. You go into, I go into meditation. I close my eyes. That third eye opens right the fuck away. You know, um, crown chakra, blam, interconnected with everything. I am, I am the avatar, you know, um, that is Neptune in Sag. Okay. Um, And in the sixth house, it's a lot of bringing that, that everything that I was just talking about, like the bigness and the spirit and the solidness into my daily life. Okay. Um, it squares off with my moon and Pisces in the 10th house a little bit, because sometimes it's hard to, um, sometimes there's no boundary, between spirit self and daily self, and it's really easy to let the details get lost and let my nervous system, in a um, in a reactive way, when it feels a little too misty, the nervous system starts grabbing and gripping. Whatever reality is present, and that's where the anxiety shows up. That's where the hypervigilance shows up. And I think I'm describing ADD as well. <laughs> so, or maybe ADD is just another description of Neptune and Virgo and, and Pisces. Hello, I'm talking all about mutable signs. Okay. Um, and so Pisces itself, Pisces used to be ruled by Jupiter. Ruled by um Neptune now. Um, Venus is exalted in Pisces. I almost it like Pisces feels so Venusian to me in so many ways. It's in my brain, uh exalted and rulership kind of uh occupy some of the same space when it comes to Venus and Pisces. Okay. Um and because Pisces is where we come into truly unconditional love. Cancer, like all the water signs, we, it's a journey th- to and through unconditional self-love and unconditional self-acceptance. Cancer is where we, uh, it's the first water sign. It's where we come into the experience of emotions, of our emotional realm, of our internal space, of our ego uh, as a, a mechanism to create a self inside a vast consciousness. Okay. And then we go into Scorpio and that, um, that sense of, excuse me, back into cancer, the marching orders in cancer are, um, emotional self-authority, internal self-authority, emotional maturity, um, reparenting, remothering. Um, what does that look like? Oh, unconditional love, unconditional love unconditional acceptance. And so that, that then those marching orders get matured further in Scorpio where we are taken to the depths. We are taken, we, we have, uh, not just near death experiences. We have death experiences in Scorpio so that we can, we can come to grips with the most hidden for all of the reasons, most hidden parts of ourselves and come away with even more reasons to love ourselves unconditionally, even more reasons to accept ourselves, even these most hidden parts unconditionally, because that journey that we began in cancer, it, ha- it's, it its only job is to be completely fulfilled. And so it has to take us down into the depths. And then the third and final uh, water sign and the final sign is Pisces. And so we bring to Pisces this personal sense of unconditional self-love and unconditional self-acceptance. And we come to realize, like we're we're walking into this potluck with this big casserole dish of this stuff. And hold on, I have to take some water. (coughs) Excuse me. And we walk into a space that has no walls, that has no boundaries, that is just this fever dream of interconnection and all we have with us is this casserole dish of unconditional self-love and unconditional self-acceptance and we realize that this belongs to everybody and that oh my god everybody else was on this journey too And everybody, we see everybody else showing up with their unconditional self-love and their unconditional self-acceptance. And this is literally the only fucking thing that we have to offer each other. And we come to realize that, oh my God, this is the only fucking thing that ever existed. This is the only thing that matters. It's the only thing that exists. It is what every single piece, atom, atom, quasar, or that, no, no, that's really big, not really small, (laughs) quark. That's what everything is made of is this unconditional love and unconditional acceptance. That is the, the birthplace of unconditionality because what is unconditionality? It is the absence of conditions. There is no external anymore. There is no internal anymore because there's no boundary. There's no barrier. There are zero fucks. There are zero conditions. It's just love. And so that is not, that's not a cliche guys. That's not a, that's not a Hallmark card. That's not a bumper sticker. That's not a sermon. It's natural law. And that's where we come. Pisces is where we come to not find it, but, but be it. There is no finding in Pisces. There is no knowing in Pisces. There is simply being. Time doesn't exist here. So what do we have if linear time doesn't exist? Simply the present moment. That's it. Just being. Just being. So that's kind of how I... Can you see why Venus is exalted in Pisces because Venus is a very it, she begins her journey in Taurus as a very a purposefully sensual planet. She's here. we are embodied as Venus as we embody ourselves. And then she graduates to uh, she she continues her journey into Libra and it's like, oh there are other bodies with, with whom I can have relationship. There's this thing called relationship. Oh my gosh. I get to, I get to experience my own personal desires reflected back to me through somebody else. I mean, come on. I get to have an echo chamber that is called relationship. And I use echo chamber in a positive way. It's used, negatively mostly but you know what i mean and then like she comes into pisces and it's like she completes her journey as everything does in pisces and but instead of like other like um mercury is is in their fall in pisces and um meaning like there's a there's a struggle there's a there's a learn, there's a huge learning curve, not just not even a struggle. Cause honestly, I love my Mercury in Pisces. <laughs> I've always felt it as a superpower. <laughs> um, the people around me that I'm trying to communicate with probably definitely not experiencing it in the same way, but as the person who has this, I love it. I absolutely love it. It doesn't hurt that it's in my ninth house. But Mercury, for instance, is in fall in Pisces because Mercury likes details. Mercury likes boundaries. Mercury likes a beginning and an end. And Pisces is like, dude, what is time? (laughs) It's like the turtle, the sea turtle, and finding Nemo. So, but Venus, like she's exalted here. So, Does that mean that all of our embodiment work, that Venus and Taurus is, is just having us sit in and dwell in, does that mean that all that embodiment work gets exalted in Pisces too? It can't help but be exalted ultimately. And so I I, w- I would let's use the word ultimately instead of the word Pisces because we can attach like well I don't have Pisces placements and nothing's in Pisces right now except for Saturn and da da da, da. no uh, um and uh, Neptune no let's talk ultimate all of our all of our journeys are ultimately exalted all of our embodiment journeys all of our healing journeys which is embodied, it's just another word for embodiment, but embodiment takes the victim status that healing can often attach itself to. Um, All of our journeys that we've, we're embroiled in, (laughs) I almost said involved. It's like, no, it's more than that. It's embroiled. We are under the broiler, (laughs) and it feels like. And these are ultimately just always exalted. We can't help but be exalted because that we're all moving cycles within cycles within cycles to an ultimate, to the, to an end of a road in order to begin another. And so could we, could we internalize? Could we accept? Could we receive that every journey that we're on ends in exaltation because that is the way of natural law? This is the way. Yeah, I couldn't help it. Um, that is the way of natural law. It can't help but end in exaltation. And so I would invite that vibe to evolve out of the vibe that we have been kind of consciously or unconsciously operating with Pisces and transcendence of like, I have to work harder to get over this thing. I have to work harder to get myself out of this anxiety spiral. I have to work harder at my wellness. Um, because if I, you know, I have to meditate harder. I have to meditate more. I have to, um, this body is holding me back. Uh, I have to get to heaven. You know, I have to make the right choices in my body so that I can get to heaven. And someday I'll be happy. When this happens, I'll be happy. When I get married, I'll be happy. When I have kids, I'll be happy. When I get the job, I'll be happy. When I get X amount of money, I'll be happy. When my partner stops leaving his goddamn towels on the floor, I will be happy. When my kids start listening to me, I'll be happy. When my cat stops shitting outside of the litter box, inches away from it, I'll be happy. Mm Mm-mm. Mm-mm. that's the old way. That's the old version of transcendence. That is externalizing our selves from ourself. And there's one thing about Pisces. It is a black hole that only pulls us back to our highest self. And I say that as a Pisces moon, and I say that as a Pisces Um, a Pisces Mercury. So my, my internalized self and my mental, my mind self, my whole mental capacity is, it's always, it's very aware of that fact that you can't escape the gravitational pull of spirit. It will come for you in the end and you can make it a pleasant journey, or you can make it a bumpy ride. There is no right or wrong. Um, but spirit is all around. It's all within. And everything ultimately ends in spirit. So that was Pisces. <laughs> and that was our journey through the signs themselves. So I asked around, um, I asked around for the last couple of weeks um, to see where y'all would like to go next. And um, next, you can expect some charts. Let's get into the charts themselves. So I'd really like to use the, all of the information and all of the experiencing that we came through in the last, um, 11, I think episodes, 12 episodes. Um, and I want to start getting, uh, I want to start grounding them into some real charts. And so I'm going to do, I, I've been, uh, at least in my, my readings, there's always a visual component, Um, and so this is going to be some really good work for me to just, to do this in a strictly audio format. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to trust myself. I'm going to trust that it's going to, the information that needs to come through will come through, but yeah, we're going to, um, we're going to get into some personal charts and we're going to practicalize and bring into real life. Uh, so much of what we've talked about in the last episodes, but I have really, really enjoyed this journey through the signs with you. Uh, I hope that you have enjoyed it even more than, than I have. (laughs) And, um, and I'm really looking forward to practicalizing, um, some charts and some placements, because really when we get into this, we're going to get into the whys and the wherefores of the relationships between the planets, i.e. the angles, um, how they can be expressed. And I love getting into charts because we can't help but discover the level of nuance in, in astrological expression. Like literally you can have twins born within two minutes of each other, and they express their charts. Com- they, they have the ability to ex- express their charts completely differently. So we'll get into that next week on astrology and stuff. Thank you as always for being here of astrology and stuff. You can come back each Wednesday for new episodes and you also have a way to get weekly bonus episodes on my Patreon page just search astrology and stuff podcast bonus episodes are weekly peeks into the planetary transits where we can get into the astrology of the week and how that may be affecting you in your neck of the woods each episode of astrology and stuff is written recorded edited and mixed by me simpreeti ireland the music you hear is an original work by angel wing and again thank you for being here